Daddy had never seen anyone with a suntan in March before. This, more than anything, was the most powerful sign of Mr. Ellingham's wealth. He could have the sun itself. I've heard a lot about you, Dolores, he said. Mr. Phillips has told me how very bright you are. Fourteen years old and in eleventh grade. You've taught yourself Latin and Greek? I understand you do translations? Daddy nodded shyly. Do you sometimes get bored here in school? He asked. Dottie looked at the principal nervously, but he smiled and nodded encouragement. Sometimes, Dottie said, but it's not the school's fault. Both men chuckled at this, and Dottie relaxed a little. Not much, but a little. I've started a school, Dolores, Mr. Ellingham went on. A new school where special people like you can learn at their own pace, in their own way, in whatever manner suits them. I believe learning is a game, a wonderful game. Mr. Phillips looked down at his desk blotter for a moment. Most principals probably didn't think of learning as a game, but no one would contradict the great Albert Ellingham. If he said learning was a game, it was a game. If he'd said learning was a roller-skating elephant in a green dress, they would go along with that, too. When you have enough power and money, you can dictate the meanings of words. I've chosen 30 students from a variety of backgrounds to join the school, and I'd like you to be one of them, Mr. Ellingham went on. You'll have no restrictions to your learning and access to whatever you need. Wouldn't you like that? Dottie liked that idea very much, but she saw an immediate and inescapable problem. My parents don't have any money, she said plainly. Money should never stand in the way of learning, Mr. Ellingham said kindly. My school is free. You are there as my guest, if you'll accept. It sounded too good to be real, but it was true. Albert Ellingham sent her a train ticket and $50 in pocket money. A few months later, Dottie Epstein, who had never been out of New York her entire life, was on her way to the mountains of Vermont and surrounded by more trees than she had ever seen. The school had a grand fountain that reminded her of the one in Central Park. The brick and stone buildings were like something from a story. Her room in Minerva House was large but cozy, with a fireplace. It was cold up here. There were books, so many fine books, and you could take out as many as you liked and read whatever you wanted, with no library fines. The teachers were kind. They had a proper science lab. They learned botany in the greenhouse. They learned dance from a woman named Madame Scotty who ran around in a leotard and scarves and had giant bangles up and down her arms. Mr. Ellingham lived on the campus with his wife, Iris, and his three-year-old daughter, Alice. Sometimes, fancy cars came up the drive on weekends, and people in marvelous clothes stepped out. Dottie recognized at least two movie stars, a politician, and a famous singer. On those weekends, Bands came in from Burlington and New York, and music came out of the great house until all hours of the night. Sometimes Mr. Ellingham's guests would walk the grounds.
the beads on their dresses winking in the moonlight. Even in New York, Dottie had never been so close to celebrity. The staff was careful to tidy up, but the grounds were vast and full of hiding places, so they left traces everywhere. A champagne glass here, a satin shoe there, endless crushed cigarettes, feathers, beads, and other detritus of the rich and wonderful. Dottie liked to collect these strange things she found and keep them in what she called her museum. The best thing Dottie found was a silver lighter. She flicked it on and off and was pleased by its smooth motion. She was definitely going to turn the lighter in. She just wanted to hold on to it for a while. Since Ellingham gave its students freedom to work and study and wander, Dottie spent a lot of her time on her own. Vermont was a different sort of place. This wasn't like class.